The Rock is in the building, and that's what's hot on the streets from Hot 97. WQHT, New York City. Welcome to Hot 97's Street Soldiers, the hottest talk on radio. Hosted by Lisa Evers. I'm so glad you're joining us for this episode of Street Soldiers. I'm your host, Lisa Evers. Follow me on Twitter, at Lisa Evers, at Street underscore Soldiers, Google Plus. And also, you know, shout out to everybody that's listening to the show Sunday mornings on iHeartRadio and TuneIn apps on their phones. And also, we're streaming live around the world on Hot97.com. What we're focusing on in this episode is the prison culture, the prison pipeline, incarceration nation. The uh, Bureau of Prisons says over the last 40 years, there's been a massive move to incarcerate more and more people, more and more men, predominantly men of color. And what's happened in the last three years, according to the federal government, that number has started to drop. But have we really seen a change? in our communities? Are we seeing fewer of our young men and sometimes our young women as well being locked down? What about that? And is there still a prison culture and a prison mentality where people think that this is part of the experience if you come from a particular neighborhood? That's what we want to know. I'm going to open up the phone lines right now. 1-800-223-9797. That's 1-800-223-9797. Hit me up on Twitter at Lisa Evers at street underscore soldiers. Do you think you are being programmed to go to prison? Do you think the prison culture is being glamorized by hip-hop and our popular culture? You look at all the shows now, they even have they even have the young white woman, Orange is the New Black, talking about prison like it's almost a fad. Mm. Now everybody's going. There's all the prison shows that we've seen over the years, the prison movies. Is this glamorizing this and making people feel it's okay? And also desensitizing us to what a prison sentence does to the men and women who undergo it, to the families and loved ones that they leave behind, and also to the communities that are missing those people who could possibly be leaders and be those who help us deal with a lot of the problems that are out there. So let me know what you think about this. 1-800-223-9797. 1-800-223-9797. Hit me up on Twitter, at Lisa Evers, at street underscore soldiers. Do you think our young people in our communities are being programmed for prison? Do you think the prison culture is being glamorized in hip-hop, in movies, in TV shows, TV series? Let us know what you think. we got a great panel to discuss this. Joining us is Kenneth Montgomery. He's a criminal defense attorney and former prosecutor, professor of law at Fordham University. Kenneth, thank you so much for being with thank us. Thank you for having me, Lisa. We appreciate it. Also with us is Samson Stiles. He's a correspondent for BET. I've seen him out in the field with his video camera doing his thing. He is an ex-offender, something you might not know when you see him on TV doing his reports. He did seven and a half years, started out as a juvenile. We're going to find out how he turned his life around and uh, some of the secrets of his success. Samson, thanks so much for being with us. Uh, Thank you, Lisa, for having me. We appreciate it. Also with us is Glenn Martin. He's the vice president of the Fortune Society. Um, They're an organization that helps Um, ex-offenders come back into society and lead productive lives provides them with a whole host of services Um, Glenn thanks for being with us again we appreciate it thanks Lisa it's good to be back on thank you and also with us is Jason Rodriguez he's an ex-offender and has turned his life around Jason thank you so much thank you we appreciate it Kenneth I want to start with you and also joining us on the phone let me not forget who we have on the phone from the Schomburg Center for Research in Black Culture Dr. Khalil Gibran Muhammad he's the director Dr. Muhammad thank you so much for joining us Thank you for having me. We really appreciate it. Kenneth, I want to start with... 
he'll he'll help you with that. Okay, your mic is hot. He'll he'll come over there. TJ will come over there and help you fix it. Kenneth, um, let me start with you on this. The Bureau of Prisons. When I was doing research for the show, my team, they say that over the last three years that the numbers are actually going down. What are we seeing here in the city and on the streets? Well, well, I'm all, I'm always suspect of numbers. Um, I, I think we live in this Western culture society where it's very easy uh, to play with numbers. Um, I, on the front lines, when I go to New York Supreme, uh, Brooklyn Supreme, Queens, Bronx, federal uh, courts, it looks like business as usual as far as I'm concerned. Even with the new attitude concerning drugs, the problem I don't think people understand is that you can't legislate perceptions. And these cases are assessed by people who do not come from these neighborhoods and cultures. And the positions that they take are usually a hardline position. Um, so I'm You mean not, in terms of the prosecutors? In, ter- in terms of the prosecutor, getting a case coming through their office and assessing whether or not this 16, 17-year-old kid, first-time arrest, takes someone's uh, iPhone, whether or not he deserves upstate incarceration, fortune, or uh, uh, some sort of probationary stance or disposition. Nine times out of ten, the attitude is that these kids should be incarcerated. Um, nine times out of ten, the uh, people who are caught with uh, even a minimal amount of drugs, they are either viewed as someone who they're going to uh, make a confidential informant or someone who has to do some time. The system is there to squeeze these young black men who are, you know, and Hispanic men. It's there to squeeze them. But and, we have in the, in the Bronx, we have D.A. Robert Johnson, who's African-American, mm-hmm. who's been there for many, many years. Mm-hmm. You're a former prosecutor in the yeah. Brooklyn D.A.'s and, which office. Which is now have uh, Ken Thompson uh, is the elect who, who just beat uh, Charles, my former boss, in, in the uh, primaries. Um, the, the so pro- is it just a question of race or is it a question of that overall law enforcement attitude or both? I think it's both. I think it's a hybrid of, of the two. And, and I, honestly, I want to be clear. Um, the only way this thing is going to change is if us and as a community, we turn our backs on mainstream America. And I know that may sound harsh to some people. I don't mean you stop listening and celebrating the music, but how it's being celebrated and how complicit we are in our very own demise um, is not going to get any better unless there's a hardline stance of mentoring apprenticeship programs, gentlemen like this having more of a perspective, less Jay-Z. Um, and I know that may offend some other, you know, some, some listeners, but honestly, we are celebrating a, an art. You mean all hip-hop? Because, I mean, he's, and, not and the, I, he's certainly not the, the no, most. No, it's not. But here's the standard symbolically for me. Um, the perspective that he gives, which as I listen to it, it seems to be the celebration of white culture, um, MoMA, Picasso, all these other things. And on the other side, the imagery, when we tell young um, Jose or Tyrone to go to school, just do the right thing, just do the right thing. Why would they? When they turn and the guy with the beautiful girl did all the risque stuff. And look, he's America's darling right now. But we have people from our communities, from the very same circumstances, that have gotten out and that have avoided those pitfalls. Yeah, but you don't, the kids don't want to hear this story. And the Jay-Z's in them and telling you, hey, watch the throne. Only a few of us could get up here. We only a couple of us going to send up here. We're going to have to have the the battle, the battle between you and Jay. All right, let's go to Samson Styles. Tell us about your story because you're you're a 
BET now, you have the kind of job that really a lot of people ask me about, like, how, how do you get that kind of job? And you're there, BET, you're a journalist, you're a correspondent. But tell us about your story, because you, you come from the pink houses in Brooklyn. Right, I come from the pink houses, grew up in Brownsville as well, and um, it was predominantly black. And before that, I had grew up up until I was eight years old in Park Slope. And uh, what the brother right here was saying about the education is true because there, when I was in Park Slope and it was a diverse community, it was cool to get straight A's. The straight A students were ones to follow. And then when I moved to Pink Houses and, and went to public school 224, you wasn't cool to get straight A's anymore. You become a teacher's pet. And it was cool to... to uh, develop behavior problems and you know to to cause havoc those are the kids that got the props so i wanted to i wanted those props and i wound up fitting in and that caused me by the time i was 11 to start my rap sheet by the time i was 12 i got sentenced to 18 months in the juvenile detention center i came home at 14 and um followed the norm of the neighborhood which was like the brother was saying glorifying uh, the pickpockets, the the people that were snatching chains, the people that was getting money, they was the ones that was getting the girls. So, in the long, and you know, to make a short, a long story short, I wound up doing seven and a half years of my adult life in prison, and it took me to maybe eight years ago to finally get my road, you know, on the right path. When I came home from prison, uh, thank God for a little bit of nepotism. <laughs> of a BT hiring me because I fit the demographic that could be reached. Uh, people that have been in prison but yet have intellect and know that and, and can influence because of my street credibility to, 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 to place my influence on the people that were doing what I was doing to let them know there are other ways. You don't have to be a rapper or a sports player. I made it as being a journalist and being nosy and telling a story. You know, so um, and if it wasn't for, but was that tough to make that? Well, and what were you? What were you in for the last time? Well, the last time it was for drug possession or heroin. Um, before that, it was gun possession. But uh, those were the the few times I got caught. My whole career was criminology, so um, you know I, I did get away with a lot of stuff. And if it wasn't for someone like Nelson George seeing a documentary that I was doing and said, this guy got skills. Let me bring him to Reginald Hutland, who was then the president at BET, and said, let's give this guy a chance to tell stories and to possibly save lives. I may be in prison today because I would have been desperate and wind up reverting back to what I knew how to do best to get money. But now that you have a job and you see that this career is open to you, is the sky's the limit at this point. Is there still a temptation of the streets? Not at all. And, 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 and let me tell you, most of the guys I was in prison with, even though 50% wind up uh, the recidivism rate uh, for people that come home from prison, 50% return within three years. Um, when, I'm in, when I was in prison, I never heard anyone say, I'm going to go back and do some crime and come back to jail. Everybody has the intention on coming out and doing the right thing. When I was in there, I tried to, I wanted to go to school. They cut the college program. I wanted to get... Uh, you know, a good vocational program that could come out, that I could come out and be a productive citizen. But they didn't have anything that was state certified or anything that, you know, 
helped propel me to that next level of being a productive citizen. So when I came home the first time, I, I did three years. And within three years, I was back in prison for the next four and a half. And that was not my intention. My intention was to do the right thing. But when there was no options available for me, I wound up reverting back to my old ways. And I, I was back in prison again. All right. 1-800-223-9797. You're listening to Hot 97 Street Soldiers with Lisa Evers. We're talking about incarceration nation. The Federal Bureau of Prisons says the prison population has been declining nationally for the last three years, but there's still a prison pipeline in our communities. What do you think about that? And do you think popular culture influences people in terms of thinking that this is okay or thinking that it's no big deal or that this is just what's expected of you depending upon what you look like, who you are, and where you come from. 1-800-223-9797. Hit us up on Twitter at street underscore Lisa, uh, at street underscore Lisa Evers, at street underscore soldiers and at Lisa Evers. And uh, let's go right now to Dr. Khalil Gibran Muhammad. He's the director of the Schomburg Center for research in black culture. Dr. Mohammed, in terms of the impact that this mass incarceration has had on the black community, what have you seen happening? Well, I've seen the uh, reversal in a lot of people's awareness about the tremendous damage that the criminal justice system has done for an entire generation. It has literally disappeared a generation of young men, overwhelmingly black and brown. It's destroyed families. It's destroyed their the future of individuals, of the children of the incarcerated. It has directed resources from education to punishment. And I think probably the thing that goes least spoken is that it has justified massive economic inequality in this country. So at the very moment when this country moved into a global uh, system of industrialization, shipping blue-collar jobs has sustained uh, our people in urban environments in the 1940s and 1950s was the same time that governments, state officials around the nation began to invest massively in prison buildup. So we have to understand what's happened to our communities, not just in sheer terms of the number of bodies behind prison walls, but also in terms of the opportunity structures that exist within our communities. And this self-reinforcing justification that poor people have immoral lifestyles, therefore, deserve punitive responses from the state or from society is a cycle we've not yet broken. We essentially look at poverty as the justification for punishment, and that's completely unacceptable because the truth is that a long time ago, so I want to take on the issue that that Kenneth brought up as well as Jason, which is the glamorization of violence in our culture is not monopolized by black people, and not just for black people. Hip-hop is sold to more white folks than black folks. Boardwalk Empire, which many of us know from HBO, or any number of mafia tales, sell like hotcakes in society, because not across only... Across the board. Across, across the, board. the board. Right. Because they not only glamorize violence and sex and drugs and women and objectify them in the same way that the music that we've, that we've been talking about uh, just now, but they also reflect something universal in American culture. And so what happened in the 1920s and 1930s, what happened with Whitey Bulger and, and, and the hitman who was on trial in Boston, is endemic to American society. There is a gangster culture on Wall Street. The problem is that everybody doesn't go to prison for half of their lives for participating in that gangster culture. Drug use, 
drug addiction is rampant across the United States in communities of non-color, and yet people don't experience the same levels of incarceration. So we've got to be mindful that at the same time there is an ethic of personal responsibility. There is a space for being accountable for your own behavior. There is the need for teaching our kids the difference between fact and fiction, between what you see on television or hear in your earbuds and the real world that you need to navigate. All of those are absolutely essential, but there is a politics at play here. There is a set of political choices operating throughout our community. Kenneth mentioned this that has to fundamentally be addressed. And unfortunately, and I'll, I'll finish with this, too many of us are often less willing to engage the structural parameters of this debate, even when conservatives across the country have been in some ways doing some of the hard legislative work of changing the mandatory minimums or the sentencing laws. You've got states like Georgia, South Carolina, New Hampshire, Ohio, who are leading an effort to roll back the punitiveness to put money in drug courts versus prisons. And we've got to get on board on that and advocate within our own communities rather than continuing to talk about hip-hop music as the most evil form that is contributing and to this that, problem. And should that really even be singled out, as you pointed out, the, the American culture as a whole, in terms of the violence and films, that type of thing, is it's widespread. I mean, that's what we call entertainment in a lot of ways. That's correct. All right, let's go to Glenn Martin from uh, the Fortune Society. Glenn, the, when, you, when you look out, I mean, there's the perception that a lot of people are in prison because of these drug offenses, but the impact of, of an imprisonment on somebody, their prison term, when they come home, it's very difficult. We hear a lot of times, not everybody has Samson's story where they're able to turn it around. Sometimes they come home, they can't find a job, they can't get a job because if they're honest on their application, you know, they, they, they're turned down because they were an ex-offender. Tell, tell us what you can do for people. Sure. So at the Fortune Society, we see about 3,000 people each year that we help support in their transition from prison back into the community. And we also do some work on the front end through alternatives to incarceration, keeping people out of prison in the first place, especially in a city where it costs $168,000 per year per person on Rikers Island. Um, we figure for a lot less, we can do a lot more. And so what you have is not only are people impacted by the time they spend away from their family and friends in the community, um, because we've spent so much time with this war on drugs and war on crime, putting people away for decades here in New York and across the nation. Um, but there's also what's called uh, collateral consequences or invisible punishment or lifetime punishment, which is really punishment imposed by agencies outside of the courts. So you have the court say, you did this wrong, you you pled guilty, you're going to do six years in prison. And then you have the New York City Housing Authority saying you can't live here if you've been convicted of blank. And you have state universities, part of the state university of New York, uh, the SUNY system here in New York, telling people if you have a felony, you can't apply to go to college here. Can you imagine that? In what situation would you deny education to anyone, much less using a felony as a determining factor of whether a person should be able to sign up and go to school? Um, so it's pervasive. It, it's education. It's, it's housing. It's employment. Um, when we built our new house over on our new building on 140th and Riverside, uh, Castle Gardens, and we hired a company to help us lease up this affordable and supportive housing building, the first thing the company said to us is, well, don't worry, we're going to screen out everyone with a felony record. Well, first of all, it meant they didn't do their homework because they would have known that that's not for what Fortune was looking for. But it means that all of these companies that are hired 
to essentially find out who can live in supportive housing using federal dollars, dollars that our taxes pay for, are systematically screening out people based solely on them being involved in the criminal justice system. Without seeing where they're at now. Exactly. So what we do at Fortunes, we see people where they're at. People walk through our door. Sometimes they don't even see themselves in the future. And I don't totally blame them for that. We have a society that has taught young men and young women that they are devalued in, 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 in our society. If you look at Stop and Frisk, that sends a very strong message to young people who are trying to determine their their individualism in society and who they are, that they're not valued. And what our folks do is they take that trauma and they find a way to deal with it. And sometimes the way to deal with it is to ensure that you're tough enough, tough skin enough to be able to go to prison. I mean, I did six years up north. And you know what I noticed up north that had me come out and do this work is that we have some of the most brilliant young black and Latino men and women in prison. And that is a huge loss, not just for those individuals and for their families and for communities, our community and our country. but for all of our but for, but for America. Exactly. All right, Jason Rodriguez, uh, tell us briefly your story. Uh, how you doing? My name is Jason Rodriguez. Thank you for having me, Lisa. First of all, I'd like to commend all the panel. Uh, it's an honor to be in a panel with such great brothers and great men. What happened to me, I went into prison at the age of 16, was sentenced to 8 and a third to 25, an only child, and uh, ended up serving 16 years and 8 months when Pataki came into law and said that we have to be hard on violent criminals. So that I went to five parole appearances. By the time I made it out, both of my parents were deceased, and I came home to, what was I coming home to? But the question that was always asked to me, are you nervous to go home? I said, how can I be nervous to go back to my natural habitat? Nine months later, I was sitting in a motion picture with Colin Farrell, Ed Norton, and John Voight when the director, Gavin O'Connor, said, listen, I'm casting for another role. Would you do it? And I was like, yes. So at first, I was naive to it. And by the time I got in the set and they said, this is your trailer, is when the reality hit me. And they said, this budget is $30 million. All right, but you, that's a big jump to go from coming home from something like Listen, that and then the, to being in a movie. It, the jump was crazy. But how did you do it? it like, in nine months. But how did you do it? What happened when I came home, I said I was prepared for the challenge because I understood that people perceive reality. Yeah, but you just don't go out. I want to know how you did it because there you just don't no, go out on there, the corner and, no, and wait for it to be discovered, you know, or, no, or see, there is hang no out in you, Times Square and like, hey, I hope I'm going to get, or Soho, and I'm going to hope I'm going to no, get discovered. No, it, it didn't happen. It is no, there's no way to say how it happened. You know, through long pain and suffering, through long No pain, acting experience. Listen. I'm going to give you the whole thing right now in a remix. Through long pain and suffering. In a short remix. Yes. Through long pain and suffering. we got a lot of phone calls to get to. Yeah, through, through, through pain and long suffering, been character for what God intends us to be. What happened? I went to an organization through Exodus Transitional Services, and uh, the job developer, Rudy, was like, listen, they, um, I need you to go to this audition. I was like, I'm not going. He was like, you're going to this audition. And they're not going to check your record. That's what he, he forced me. I went into the audition. They said, who wants to be first? I raised my hand. Because I wanted to leave I went in there When I auditioned They told me Have you ever did this before? I told the casting director I'm what you call a natural Two weeks later I get a call back Three months later I'm on the set That's exactly how it happened There is no way I did not come See that home. street skill Of spitting game You just got you Got you over on that one Alright we want to hear more <laughs> I gotta get to, I gotta get to the phones Because a lot of people Have been holding on Let's go to uh, Anthony from New Jersey Anthony hi You're on Hot 97 Go right ahead Oh, thanks a lot. I, I'm a public defender, and I just wanted to say there's there's several layers that, that each one of them um, sort of bears down on black and Hispanic men from the top and basically crushes them. The first is these horrible laws that, that basically 
you know, dispossess uh, men and women of their freedom, their dignity. Um, the conviction takes away, as your guest said, their ability to get into public housing. Um, it even goes so far as to take away their public assistance and food stamps. Uh, the second thing is uh, the police. Uh, the police uh, are more than happy to go out and violate people's rights every single day. It's stop and frisk. Um, it's even worse than that. It's entering the houses without a warrant. Um, and then the next thing uh, you have is the prosecutor. Now, they will absolutely put innocent people in jail. I see it every day as a public defender. I agree. Uh, and, then, and then the last thing, which you would think um, is like the last um, sort of um, protection uh, against, um, uh, you know, the incredible power of the state to crush a person is a, is the judge, you know, and and I've heard it said, and it's perfectly put, the the judges let the prosecutors act like judges, and the prosecutors um, uh, let the judge act like the prosecutor. The pr the judge. In other words, they they're they're not doing their jobs, is what you're saying. Yeah. Oh my God! Not doing their jobs is to, is to put it lightly. I mean, I've filed motions to suppress, dismiss indictments. I was so right. I went in there so confident that I was basically daring the judge to deny the motion, and he did. <laughs> and although you put up the fight every day, you keep fighting. You never wow. stop fighting. That's what I do, and I love doing it. It's 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 a great calling. The system is so broken, and and sometimes I think. Really, all these laws that dispossess, you know, minorities are really economic laws. Yeah. That's right. Um, yeah, that's what that's it, what Dr. Muhammad yeah. was saying. It basically, right. it, it defunds it defunds the safety net for poor people. Mm -hmm. No crime tax. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So basically, all right, Anthony, I got I got to keep it moving here. We got a thank lot you. of phone calls, but thank you, thank you so much for the phone for the call. Let's go to uh, Akima from Brooklyn. Akima, hi, you're on Hot 97. Go right ahead. Hi, Lisa. Hi, how morning, are you? Everybody. I'm good. Good morning. Okay. I was born and raised in Brooklyn. I, too, worked for BET for seven and a half years. I was under the Viacom umbrella for 12. And going back to where I grew up, born and raised in Brooklyn, 28 brothers and sisters. And the issue is systemic. It, it starts when they're six, seven, five. I heard the speakers. I heard the callers. But I think what we're talking about now is the reaction from the actions that is systemic. These kids see this as early as five. And when, when these men go to prison and they come home, it's a network that they've built over the years. In other words, they don't come home and start to build relationships with doctors, lawyers, entrepreneurs. They go with what they know, where they feel loved. Where they feel loved is cell block 2587-A or your boy from up the street who's um, hustling this or your boy who has these guns over here because through all of the chaos and crime, there's a love that they have for each other. And it took me a while to understand that. It, that 
camaraderie. All right, the, you're talking about the camaraderie. Akima, I, I got to take a short break, but I want to thank you very much for the call, and thanks for listening in. Gerald, Lenny, Andrew, everyone else on hold, we're going to get to your telephone calls and more from our guests when we come back. Let me let you know, Hot 97 presents Rock the Bells, your free passes all weekend, live performances by Wu-Tang Clan, J. Cole, Wale, the king of L.A., Kendrick Lamar, Action Bronson... <laughs> Is that going to give me a toast? Not New York, but we love Kendrick. Action Bronson and more October 4th and 5th at the Meadowlands Racetrack, hosted by the one and only Peter Rosenberg from the Hot 97 Morning Show. Tickets on sale now at Ticketmaster. You're listening to Hot 97 Street Soldiers at Street underscore Soldiers, 1-800-223-9797. Are you being programmed for prison? Let us know what you think. We'll be back right after this. Hot 97 and your boy Jay-Z head to the County of Kings, Brooklyn. Again, I'm hooking you up to join me in Brooklyn. I just want a Picasso in my casa, no my castle. Jay Z's Magna Carta World Tour at the Barclays Center in Brooklyn for two shows, January 12th and 13th. Only Hot 97 has your passes for this once in a lifetime experience. Tune into the Hot 97 Morning Show this week at 7:50 a.m. and me, Edge Martinez, at 4:50 p.m. Tickets on sale now at Live Nation. Steak. How I yearn for you on this morning. My mouth waters for your delectable flavor. You put a fire in my belly that can only be described as full. So a steak and egg biscuit, right? Start your morning with one of McDonald's steak and egg sandwiches made with perfectly seasoned premium steak, a tasty egg, grilled onions, melted American cheese, and served on a toasty muffin or biscuit. Come to me, my love. The simple joy of delicious devotion. For a limited time at participating McDonald's. My morning has to have rhythm. The needle can't skip on my music, so I make my way to McDonald's for fluffy eggs, piping hot biscuits, juicy sausage, golden hash browns, and a price that never puts a hitch in my two-step. My day begins when I wake up, but it doesn't get started until McDonald's adds a soundtrack to my morning. Bring sweet music to your morning with McDonald's Savory Sausage Biscuit with Egg. For a limited time, get two for just $3. That's a more affordable morning to love. Prices and participation may vary. See store for details. Little Bo Peep has lost her sheep because someone broke into her apartment and stole all her sheep. Not to mention a 50-inch flat-screen TV. Luckily, the Geico Insurance Agency had helped her with renter's insurance, and she got full replacement. She has since trained her sheep to do voice impressions of various attack dogs, and now feels very safe. Visit Geico.com to see how affordable renter's insurance can be. I like saving money. I mean, it's not like I have a purse stuffed with coupons or... Okay, I do. The other day, I went into Wells Fargo to get help with a loan. Good news. You qualify for our double discount promotion. For a limited time, get double the interest rate discount we normally give on select new loans and lines of credit just for being a checking package customer. And the best part? I didn't even need a coupon. Come to Wells Fargo to discuss how the double discount promotion can help with the interest rate on your new loan or line of credit. Wells Fargo. Together we'll go far. Subject to credit qualification, Wells Fargo Bank and A. Lunchtime. Chips, apple, and PB&J. What'd you get? I don't know. My mom wrote me a note. Hey, kiddo. I made you a special turkey sandwich. Mechanically separated turkey with isolated soy protein? Hmm. Disodium inosinate? Disodium what? Disodium guanolate. Yuck. And artificial flavors. Hope you like it. Love, Mom. Gross. I'll trade you. No. 
For a sandwich your kids will love, trust Boar's Head Oven Gold Turkey and Maple Honey Turkey. At Boar's Head, we make all our meats and cheeses with an unwavering commitment to the highest standards. That's why our turkey contains no parts, no fillers, no surprises. So when it comes to feeding your kids, trust Boar's Head and compromise elsewhere. Have you heard about Millennium Honda's buy-buy program? They know time is money. Buy your Honda from them and they will save you both time and money. Take my word for it. Millennium Honda makes everything easy and affordable. Like I said, Millennium Honda always has their best prices, lowest payments, and now make sure you get to their service department for all your needs. And make sure to take advantage of the extended hours and the $8.95 oil change. Where else takes care of you like that? Millennium Honda, 286 North Franklin Street in Hempstead, Long Island. Check out these hot summer deals at Millennium Honda in Hempstead or visit Millennium Honda for details. Let's talk about how awesome Fox TV has been with their amazing new shows. I hope you all got a chance to check out Dads last week because this week, Ghost Child Games is in need of a new video game concept. So Warner encourages Eli to revert to his tried and true method of coming up with ideas. Medicinally enhanced baked goods. But the guys discover an even better use for the treats when their aggravating dads start eating them and totally mellowing out. After that, you have to stay tuned for what critics are calling this fall's funniest comedy series, Brooklyn Nine-Nine. When Jake is late for roll call, Captain Holt assigns him to a graffiti case that Jake feels is below his level. However, when the culprit turns out to be the deputy commissioner's son, the case becomes a major problem. Meanwhile, Gina's psychic friend visits the precinct and gets inside Charles's head. This is your TV diva making sure you don't miss an awesome Tuesday night lineup starting at 8, only on Fox 5. Western Beef, where you shop much more for less. Check out this week's specials. Fresh boneless breast chicken cutlets, $1.68 a pound. Carolina rice, 20 pounds. Or Western All Gallon, $5.99 each. Assorted Sips Drink, 64 ounces, $5 for $5. Farm Fresh Royal Gala Apples, $0.99 cents a pound. New York Deli Deluxe Ham or American Cheese, $4.99 a pound. 1906 Beef Shell Steak, $5.99 a pound. Western Beef, nothing but fresh, baby. It's Sleepy's biggest beauty rest sale ever. For one week only, save up to 65% on beauty rest mattress sets with extra latex support. Sleepy's, the mattress professionals, making the world a better place to sleep. Yo, what up? This your homie Ace Hood, and this is Street Soldiers with Lisa Evers. Real issues, real poly tricks, and real people only on Hot 97. Ace Hood, that's right. That's right, uh, well, tricks. That's right. Well, welcome back to Street Soldiers. I'm your host, Lisa Evers. Follow me on Twitter, at Lisa Evers. Give us your opinion, at street underscore soldiers. What we're talking about is incarceration nation. The federal government says the prison population has been declining over the past three years, but our communities are still very heavily affected. We're asking you, do you think you're being programmed to go to prison by the neighborhood, by what you see around you on the streets, and what you see in popular culture? Give us a call, 1-800-223-9797. Joining me in studio, Kenneth Montgomery. He's a criminal defense attorney, former prosecutor in Brooklyn, and also professor of law at Fordham University. Samson Stiles, he's a correspondent with BET and an ex-offender who turned his life around. Glenn Martin is with us. He's the vice president of the Fortune Society. Uh, Jason Rodriguez is an ex-offender, now an actor. And Dr. Khalil Gibran Muhammad is the director of the Schomburg Center for Research in black culture and let's go right now to uh, Gerard from Brooklyn Gerard hi you're on hot 97 go right ahead Gerard okay I guess we don't have Gerard must have fell out all right Gerard was saying that he doesn't think that Jay-Z is to blame for all this let's go to uh, 
That's not what I meant. I I, I hope people. I think that's what people took. Well, well you know, judging by care. the cost, I, I don't. This is our problem too. We tolerate, and our discourse for the folly is way too great. We'll sit and discuss who's better, Kobe or LeBron, all day, and you'll see dudes straight get in, in a bang, get into a fist fight, and get cut over Jay Z and Nas. Really, who cares? It's just entertainment. Now, like Dr. Muhammad was talking about, it's bigger than them. Absolutely bigger than them. My point is we have to embrace the intellectual game because the people who are controlling the parameters, it is systemic. Racism in this country is ingrained. It's ingrained in every fiber of it all. And at the end of the day, as a people, black and Hispanic, we tolerate way too much. We tolerate way too much. I've seen many a brother on the street I'm talking about brothers in their 30s, in their 40s, who think it's a folly game. And they get jammed, and they live this life of criminology, and when they get jammed, they just don't understand the system. It's, and and it's, it, it boggles my mind sometimes that we have a generation of guys that they don't even think through what this thing is until they are in the thing. Sad. And, and sometimes don't even realize how serious nah. it is, what, like what that's going to do to keeps. your life. Listen, when you want arrests... Police officers in the 8-1 and 8-3, they go out and they make all those arrests and they go to the hipster community in Williamsburg where the kids got the Adderall and the Coke and the heroin on them and they doing it in the bar and they doing it on the beeper business. The cops don't bother them. And the prosecutor, that doesn't offend them. But when you come back and your sergeant says, that's not real arrest, go get me real arrest. You know what that real arrest is? That real arrest is that young brother... Uh, Sitting in that street on that corner, not even realizing that he is already in someone's plan. And until we get uncomfortable with being in other people's plan and comfortable with creating our own value system, this is... This is this is a slow death. Dr. Muhammad, we see big stars, too. We have Fat Joe right now is in prison. Lauren Hill is in prison. Danbury Women's Prison. Um, Remy Martin is still locked up. We saw one of the biggest stars of Hollywood, Wesley Snipes, go to prison. What kind of message does that send to somebody who may not ever achieve that level of fame or fortune? Well, it, it, it certainly the casual observer, the young person, will be disappointed. Um, you know, it, it's definitely not a positive message. But when you know that it's tax evasion and not homicide, it, it certainly changes things. And I, I, I think one of the problems here, fundamental problem, is our children have far too many options for economic participation and success in society. And so, and that's a fact. And that has nothing to do with how well they speak English, whether they use belts um, to hold up their pants. I mean, every individual has a series of choices to make about being successful, being hardworking, and ambition. But structurally, if all our kids tightened up their belts, spoke perfect English, there is not enough room for them to achieve the kind of success that would even land you in prison for tax evasion. So we have to, we have to educate our children to actually know that the world is tremendously stacked against them. So on one hand, that means they have to make smart decisions to take advantage of resources that exist. But on another hand, that means they can't carry the burden of racial representation every time somebody stumbles and falls. Because let me tell you, the vast majority of people who are celebrity entertainers or who are successful who made it in America are white and those are the ones who are going to get punished for things like tax evasion. It's true, of course, that we don't see a lot of uh, murder 
among Wall Street executives, although in the Enron scandal, you know, people ended up dead. I mean, we have to just make sure our kids understand how complicated the world actually is and not to simplify it in a way that every time somebody black or brown does something bad, it's a reflection on them, because that is a burden that is impossible to bear. All right, Andrew, what's happening on uh, Twitter? Okay, we have a tweet from Daniel P underscore 31 saying that there's no such thing as programmed. When there's no job or education, you are left with crime. You're human. You got to eat. And here's an idea. Let's educate the young ones what happens to you after you come out of jail because that can make a difference. All right. What about that? Uh, uh, you know, I hear, I hear everybody talking about education. He who prescribes the diameter of your thinking will control the circumference of your actions. So you have to go into debt and understand education. What are we going to educate them with? Right now, the youth, you have to come to the youth as the youth. So un- you have to understand the music, understand the culture, and be able to manifest and break it down of why. Listen, if you make this decision, how it will affect you if you do that decision. But sometimes we can't talk. And you need people that have been through that and been through that experience to come and show them by actions. I understand the brother said we need jobs. Sometimes, brother, you're so creative, you have to create your own job because job means just over broke all right well let's see uh let's go to andrew from uh the bronx right now andrew hi you're on hot 97 go right ahead andrew what's going on with these phones hey andrew are you there all right andrew okay i guess not glenn his his question though that he told our, our producer was he said he was um, incarcerated and that he's struggling to find a job. Right. What kind of practical advice do you have for, for guys in that situation? All right. So when I came out of prison after doing six years, I was lucky enough to have earned a college degree while I was on the inside uh, with one of the only remaining programs in prison in the United States. And I came out and visited about 40 different employers and couldn't find a job within about 30 days. Um, So it's not for lack of will for people coming out of prison uh, wanting a job that they find themselves unemployed. It's a lot of uh, systemic uh, structural barriers in the way. So even here in New York, where we have an anti-discrimination law that says that you cannot deny a person a job based solely on a criminal record, we realize that many employers still violate the law and people should be filing claims with the New York City Commission on Human Rights when that happens. But I really do push people to think about coming to places like Fortune and Exodus and these other places because we have the relationship with the employer to get them through the door so that they can make the case that they're the best employee. But I got to be clear, getting a person a job or getting a job is not going to be the silver bullet to remove people from uh, ending up in the criminal justice system because the truth is that rearrest and reincarceration and recidivism are functions of the state. If Mayor Bloomberg says stop every black man you see on Lenox Avenue, then I don't care if I have a job or not. I'm going to find myself in a situation where I'm probably going to end up with handcuffs on if I don't know how to respond to that criminal activity. And so at Fortune, we try not to pay a whole lot of attention to rearrest because we feel like if we do the right thing, thing and get people to turn their lives around, that'll be a natural byproduct of, of people turning their lives around and having a path towards a career and not just a job and and helping their families and everything else that uh, most Americans want are there certain are there certain jobs and certain uh, municipal jobs that you can get where you do have a rec- you know where if you do have a record so l- let me be 100 percent clear with the exception of law enforcement in New York State, 
no job should be barring people based solely on a criminal record. No licensing agency, no employer. If any empl- Really? Yes. So there's a federal directive called the EEOC Directive on how to handle arrests and criminal records. And it clearly says that employers must look at, look at a host of factors when making a decision about whether to hire a person. Any employer that says, I don't hire anyone with a felony, with the exception of law enforcement or federal jobs, is breaking the law. They may as well say, I won't hire one in three black men that walk through the door because it has that same racial uh, impact. Because that's how many one in three black men has been incarcerated. It violates Title VII of the Civil Rights Act. So what should people do if they go for a job and they feel... I'm sorry. If you have have a case, also remind or talk to your attorney about a certificate of relief as well. What does that mean? That That is a document that the judge signs off of that should facilitate you in dealing with someone trying to block you and say you can't have that job because you've been incarcerated, you've been convicted. I want to I want to answer that last question you just put out there also because I think this is important. You know, we try to do the carrot, right, to incentivize employers to hire people with criminal records. We have tax credits, we have uh, the federal bonding program, but I believe in the carrot and the stick. And unfortunately, we don't we don't pay enough attention to the stick. So if I'm an employer and I look across my desk and say, I really want to hire you, but you're in that wheelchair, suddenly I'm going to have a problem under the Americans with Disability Act. Well, similarly, we've had a law on the books for 40 years here in New York State that says you can't lean across a desk and say, I want to hire you, but you have a felony. And yet not enough people take advantage of that law. They should contact the New York City Commission on Human Rights, the State Division of Human Rights. And if they have the resources, they should hire an attorney or look for a public interest law firm like the Legal Action Center to uh, respond to them being denied a job based solely on a criminal record. And how do people find out about the Fortune Society? What's the best way? Somebody that just came home, what's the best way for them to... uh uh, for, for, most people, for most people, just being up north is enough for them to hear that we exist because we've been around for 46 years. But you don't need an appointment. Just show up at our Long Island City location. It's 2976 Northern Boulevard, the R train to, to Queens Plaza, one stop outside of Manhattan. Just walk through the door and say, I need help. When I see people five years down the line who are successful from Fortune and I say, what was it that we did to make you successful? They never say it was that group we did or the job you helped me get. They say, when I walk through the door, it was that woman, Vilma, at the front desk that said, welcome home. And what they find is they find a family at Fortune, and that's a bigger part of what turns people around, is hope um, and opportunity. More and having so a than, community of support to it. deal with all the different issues. Because like you said, it's not just about getting a paycheck. Samson, but, jump in, please. Um, one one thing, even though it is against the law for them to say um, we're not going to hire you because of this felony, what happens is a lot of times they say, oh, we already filled this position, or you're not qualified. But the real reason, the you know that sheet is because you have a felony what can be done you know to 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 fight those odds yeah what i tell people and i'm sure kenneth will back me up here is if you have a chance to get a lawyer to represent you and our taxes go towards the city commission on human rights you don't need to figure it out if i feel as though i've been discriminated against because i'm black and you know we all can think of all the factors that go into you having that feeling when you walk out the door that's enough Go file the complaint. Let the city figure the rest out. And let them figure it. Kenneth, as our attorney on the panel, what do you say about that? Absolutely. Um, You know, because the thing is, it's something that Anthony, I'm still thinking about some of the things that Anthony said. Um, The public defender. I I don't think people understand how easy it is for this system to crush you. Mm. Um, I was a former prosecutor. Um, I have the sidebars at the bench, so I get to see what the judge's attitude is and how his, you know, a lot of things, it's this thing they say a judge rules on how what they ate that morning. Um, you get to wow. see 
what these people are built on. And, you know, so and 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 so you have to have that fighting mentality. It's that oppressive. And it's and I've seen, you know, as a defense attorney, you have to be a psychologist, a sociologist sometimes because you get someone who has been battered in your in your space and they are running out of options. Okay, but also too, I mean, and we don't have a, a, a law enforcement person on the, pan, on the on this panel, unfortunately. But it's like somebody would say, listening to everything that they've heard, mm. where is the message? I mean, not everybody that goes upstate is innocent. Not no, everybody that goes not. before absolutely church, not. Some of them did horrible things. <laughs> absolutely, killed yes. people, took absolutely. people's lives, shot guns, they killed res- little kids. And listen, that's where the responsibility and accountability comes in. Um, every and there's such word is called redemption, um, and and a lot of other things that come into play. Um, and I think what we have to do is we have to really, and I, I say this again, we have to turn our culture inwards a little bit uh, because right now we're just out, we're just out, and and we're kind of you know, naked. You know, they're forgiving Elliot Spitzer. Yeah, they're forgiving Anthony. Hey, listen, listen, the, the, Why the, can't be the, forgiven? The people we have congressmen who are millionaires now. The founders of this country who made all the money, they were not doing this stuff legally to get all the money. That's right. Let's, let's all right, clear. that's a whole other. Ty, Tyreek, I want to bring you in here real quick because you did a lot of time, and uh, just I want to give you one of the last words here. All right, actually, my, my real quick, is, like, how do we how do we stop people from having to go through that in the first place? How do we prevent it? We how do we to, save lives? We have to get to our Children. My name is Tariq Emotep, but the streets recognize me as Raj. My name means something out here. Like, brother, I'm sitting up here at a panel that all y'all name means something to me. Brother Glenn, I come from one of my greatest mentors is Larry Lukeman White. You understand where I'm coming from? But at the end of the day, I did 26 years in prison for a crime that I say I never committed that the Bronx district attorney and the Bronx uh, corrupt police actually uh, 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 basically set me up. Okay, on. but Tyreek, I'd love to do that. That's not the point. Right, let's that's talk the, about the, the kids because we're kids, almost out of time. The kids, the kids is the key. The kid is that we have to get to our kids. The fact of the matter is the kids are not going to listen to their parents. They're going to listen to people like me, Jason Rodriguez and Mr. Glenn Martin. That's the reality. We are back in here. Our community need to know we are here in the streets and we come back to the streets basically to take over and make sure that the kids understand that they don't have to be a rapper. They don't have to play ball. The fact of the matter is my name is Tyreek Emotep. I have a company, 21st Century Paradigm, that I created. I haven't been home in 100 days yet, brother. It's off and it's running. All right, Tyreek. I, I, got, I, got I hate them. to cut you off, but I have to because we're just about out of time. I, I, I'm going to give you the last yeah. word here about where people can go for help. So let me just push back really quick on the paradigm you just set up because the most prevalent victim of violent crime in the United States is young black men. That's a fact. So we can't keep drawing a thick line between victims and offenders because right. most times it's in the same community, same family, and indeed the same person. If people need help, they should show up at the Fortune Society, 2976 Northern Boulevard. You don't need an appointment. I don't care what your past is. I don't care what you've done in the past. If you show up at my door and you need support, you're going to find it at the Fortune Society, 2976 Northern Boulevard in Long Island City. All right, I wish we had more time for this because we have a lot of phone calls to everybody that's on, that's on hold. Uh, Maurice, Will, everyone else, I'm sorry we didn't get to your telephone calls. I want to thank my guest, Attorney Kenneth Montgomery, Professor of Law at Fordham University, Samson Styles, check him out, I'm BET correspondent, Glenn Martin from the Fortune Society, Jason Rodriguez, Dr. Khalil Gibran Muhammad, and also Tyreek. I want to thank all of you for being with us here on this episode of thank Street you, Soldiers. Thank you. Thank and uh, follow me on Twitter, at Lisa Evers, but I want to let you know about something very important that's happening on 
Monday, September 30th. It is a benefit. It is the fifth annual Christian Rivera Foundation Celebrity Gala, and that is uh, to benefit a foundation that was started by the one and only the marketing party promoting legend, John Gungi Rivera. Gungi, how are you? I'm great, Lisa. How are you? I'm doing great. Thank you so much for being with us. Oh, my pleasure. Now, let everybody know, um, you, you started the foundation in honor of your son, Christian, who unfortunately passed away when he was six years old from this rare, rare disease. And, exactly. And it's what called it, the Fuse Intrinsic Consumption. There's only 200 cases in the world discovered each year, and each kid dies between three and nine months once diagnosed. It's horrific. And what are you hoping to do with it? You've dedicated your life to, to trying to find a cure and to help other people, other families who are going through exactly. this, this tragedy. Our foundation backs the work of Dr. Mark Swedane of Wild Cornell Medical Center. And up until 2012, this was inoperable. As of 2012, it's operable. Now we're at nine children that have received this surgery. It's one-of-a-kind surgery in the world. And we're making a lot of progress. I was told in 2007 when Christian was diagnosed that I wouldn't see a cure in my lifetime, but I beg to differ. We're almost there. And how have you been doing since? I mean, you were adored your son. You were with him every single minute. You fought for him like any father would, but you went even above and beyond what, what any father would do. And I just wanted to ask you how you're doing. I'm great. I'm great. Of course, I miss my son, but, um, you know, fighting to find a cure in his honor it gives me such satisfaction. But, yeah, I do miss him. I mean, uh, no parent should ever have to bury their child. It's just not uh, the natural thing to do. And, Googie, when people want to find out more, what's the, is there a website? Can they go to ChristianRivera.org? ChristianRiveraFoundation.org. The event's Monday, September 30th. It's the fifth annual Christian Rivera Foundation Celebrity Gala. And it's a slew of celebrities and athletes and it's an amazing event. Over 500 people attend each year. Last year we gave the doctors 130,000. This year we want to do 150. We're we're doing great things. That's awesome. Well, thank you so much for uh, for being with us. Good luck with everything. Keep up the great work. Thank you. And um, our, our thoughts and prayers are with you that this be a huge, huge success. And thank you for always being such a great supporter, Lisa. All right, my pleasure. Thank you so much, Gungi. Okay, bye-bye now. Bye-bye. That's uh, John Gungi Rivera, 5th Annual Christian Rivera Foundation Celebrity Gala is taking place next Monday, uh, September 30th. You can get more information, ChristianRiveraFoundation.org. And also, this episode of Street Soldiers was brought to you by Emblem Health. Emblem Health provides the resources to help New Yorkers stay healthy, experience what care feels like. And also, i got to give a big shout out like probably one of the biggest shout outs I've ever given here on Street Soldiers on the microphone to all the people in Newark that just really took me around this past week shout to Reek Bubs and the whole crew there other people whose names I'm not going to put on blast thank you for showing me love we're working on a super special for Fox 5 News so follow me on Twitter at Lisa Evers and at Street underscore Soldiers you're going to see the streets and what's really happening like uh I would say no other TV reporter has shown you for a while. So uh, you're going to see what's really going on, the real story, what the, what the kids are going through there, and uh, just how cleaned up Newark really is or is not. That's that's going to be coming up on Fox 5. We're going to be talking about it here on Hot 97 as well. So I want to shout to Reek Bubs and his whole crew out there, everybody that showed me so much love, took really good care of me. 
And uh, I really, really appreciate it. I want to thank my vice president for programming, Ebro, our assistant program director, Carly Hustle, our senior marketing director, Denisha Benjamin, our digital guide, Jeffrey Thacker, my executive producer, Tone Capone, associate producer, Angelique Tyree, our production supervisor, Andrew Varis, the one and only TJ the king of Candy Crush and Grand Theft Auto. And also, uh, I want to let you know, next Sunday, we're going to be talking about Hispanic heritage, the impact of Latinos. The Latino music is crazy. There's more Latinos than you can probably even recognize in a lot of different areas. Victor Cruz, I mean, let's talk about all the dominance. We're going to celebrate Hispanic and Latino culture next Sunday. So make sure you stay tuned for that. You can follow me on Twitter. Let me know if you want to participate in that. Lisa, or hit me up with an email. Lisa at Hot ninety. And of course, check me out on the Fox 5 News at 10 tonight, 5, 6, and 10 during the week. Twitter, you know the deal. At Lisa Evers, at Street underscore Soldiers, Google Plus, Instagram, Lisa Evers Live. Yeah, everywhere. Have a great week, everybody. Remember, use your mind. It's your best weapon. I hope it's your only weapon. I'm Lisa Evers. Push for peace. Yo, yo, what's going on? This is Drake. Hot 97 has your tickets to see me live. Drake, Miguel, and Future all taking over the Prudential Center in Jersey and the Barclays Center in Brooklyn, October 27th and 28th. Started from the bottom, now we're here. Yeah. New York City, New Jersey, I always hold you down. Word in New York is the diamond and high schools are calling me poppy. Tickets to see Drake. You know where they're at. Hot 9-7. Resilient. Compassionate.